Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. And I just want to speak to you uh, just real quick about this baby dedication and kind of tell you what we're doing. We, we dedicate babies. We, we don't baptize babies because we feel like a person that, who is baptized needs to make that decision themselves. And obviously, little Josie isn't able to do that right now. But uh, yeah, anywhere you can. Sit, sit for right now. I'm just going to go over something, and then I'm going to bring you guys up here. All right, uh, let me read this to you. Psalm 127, beginning at verse 3. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man and woman whose quiver is full of them. The Bible tells us that children's are a blessing, right? A gift from God, a reward. Anybody that has a child understands that. I know Rob and Brittany realize this. And those here represented from their family do as well. And because of that, they would like to see Josie dedicated to God. There's an amazing picture of this in, with, with the prophet Samuel where he was dedicated to God. And he became Israel's high priest. Before we dedicate Josie, I want to call you guys to some things. I want to call the rest of us because this is something that we're all called to. We have some responsibilities to our children that I want us to be reminded of, right? Psalm 78, God commands parents to teach their children to know him, to know about him, and encourage them to follow him. That's the call for you. That's the call for us, right? In Deuteronomy 6, parents are told to teach their kids the word of God. Are we doing that? We can do that by bringing them to church, but we also need to do that ourselves to impress it upon them, to help them to memorize it, right? It's also our responsibility to teach our kids to have reverence, respect, for the Lord, to encourage them to abstain from those evil associates, right? We don't want our friends hanging around with people that are going to draw them down. We want to watch out for the habits that they have. Would you guys come up here? Here's the question Rob and Brittany, will you endeavor to do these things? By the help of God. If so, say, we will. we will. Family. You have a role to play in this. Grandparents, family members. Will you endeavor, by the grace of God, to help them in raising Josie in the ways of the Lord? If so, say, we will. We will. Church family. Church family, right? We were once friends, but now we're family. On a great mission for God. This is part of that mission. Church family, will you help to endeavor Josie to follow the Lord, to know the Lord, to walk with the Lord? If you will, say, we will. We will. will. All right. Well, it is my privilege to dedicate Josie. And uh, we have this rose that we're going to give you, but we just want to dedicate her in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Josephine Lynn, right? Josephine Lynn Resendez, we dedicate you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, 
Here's this young one. Lord, we give her to you. Father, this is a crazy world that we live in. And I pray that you would give her parents wisdom in how to raise her and Lennon to follow you, to know you. Lord, that's our, that's our primary concern. We want our kids to know you. Lord, I pray that um, she would. I pray that she'd come to know how much you love her and that she would dedicate her life to you, that she would be used mightily for you and for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that she would follow this path and not depart from it. I pray that you'd watch over her and protect her, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd put it on all of our hearts to help in this endeavor, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this gift, especially for Rob and Brittany, Lord. I pray that uh, I know they will treasure her and Lennon all the days of their lives, Lord. We just give you praise and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
you're moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're working in this place. I worship you. I worship you.
Do whatever you want to 
If you turn in your Bibles to Mark 9.14, Mark 9.14, so we're going to be camping out today. Last week, we, we talked about one thing, right? One thing, and, if I, and I asked you if you could have one thing, if you knew that you could go to God and ask for one thing, what would be that one thing that you would ask him for? David said that his one thing would be that he would be able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, right? All the days of his life. Hopefully, we're at a place where this year we are seeking that. We are seeking Him and His presence. We're doing that through the reading of the Word. That's the challenge, right? That's the challenge for this season. We want to just spend time not crossing the box off, checking the list. Yes, I did my Bible reading. Good. I feel good about myself. No, we just want to be in His presence. We want to hear from Him. We want to have that relationship with God first and foremost in our life. But, but here's the thing. Do we want it for those around us too? Do we, do we really want it? 
That's what I want to talk about today and, and look at it. You know, are we concerned for those people? Even more than concerned, are we desperate? That's the name of this, desperate for others. Are we desperate for those people around us to come to know Christ, right? I just want us to think about those people that are in our lives, in our community, in our country, in our world. Are we focusing our prayer life on them at all? Or are we just focused in on our, ourselves? Do I care about that person that lives right next to me? That one that I really don't know all that well. Uh, what about that coworker that you have that you've known forever, but you know that they don't know him? Are you desperate for them to know him, to come to know him, right? Who, who's the kid that sits in the back of your history class? That man is struggling with some things. Are you desperate that they would come to know him? Hopefully, we're praying for God to be in our life. Hopefully, we're all there. But what about theirs? What about their life? Mark 9, 14 says this. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Can I just stop right here for a minute? I don't believe that this thing that we read about back there in biblical times is something that still doesn't happen today. It does, right? That is why it's extremely important not to mess around with spirits, not to mess around with the occult, not to bring those unclean things into our houses, into our lives. That's why we want to be careful as parents to dedicate our kids and to leave them along that path. We need to be careful about that. I, I don't believe that somebody who has been filled with the Holy Spirit can be controlled by demons, but here's what I know. There is a spiritual battle going on all around us, right? Believers can be attacked, can be oppressed, right? They can be influenced by these spirits, by these demons. In Ephesians 6, believers are told to what? Put on the full armor of God. Why? Because we don't wage war against flesh and blood, right? We put on the full armor of God to resist the devil's schemes, to, to wage war against spirits. There's no call to take this lightly. This is serious. This is warfare, right? James 4, 1 Peter 5, we are told to resist the devil. It's possible. He is prowling around like a lion. So we need to be especially careful what we bring into our lives, what we allow, what we invite into our lives. Because make no mistake, there is a spiritual battle going on. Just this morning, I had a spirit of dread all over me. 
but I rebuked that, and it left. You will have spirits come against you. You need to be aware of that. You need to be cognizant of that. Be careful, right? I believe that the craziness around us in this world is evidence Pure evidence of this is going on, this spiritual war. This story is a picture of it. It gives us a glimpse of it, right? Verse 19, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything. Take pity on us. And help us. If you can. Said Jesus. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Amen. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciple asked, disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, as we prayed before, Father, I pray that we would have soft hearts. I pray that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and that you would speak directly to us, Lord. Father, nobody's interested in a person's views or opinions, Lord. We are only interested in the Word of God. And I pray that that would ring loud and clear above everything else in our hearts today. Lord, we give you all honor and praise. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Now, in my, in my text, there's a little footnote at the end of this passage, that last verse that it says, this kind can only come out by prayer. Because in some of the manuscripts, it says, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. So if you have a King James Bible, probably a New King James Bible, you, you will see that it says that as well. That's changed because we found earlier manuscripts earlier in time that don't have the last part in there. But what I think is important about that, not to fight about that, is that this stuff requires serious prayer. Not like, did you pray over your food today? Type prayer, Lord bless this food and to my nourishment of my body, blah, 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 you know. Not those prayers that we just kind of recite and utter without even thinking about it, right? In those types of situations. This calls for earnest prayer, deep prayer. And I'm wondering, are we willing to do that for the people around us? Are we? Like, get on your knees. Prolonged prayer. 
that I'm going to approach the throne room of God with this request because I am desperate for to see this thing cast out of this person that I love or this person that I know of their life. Are we desperate for those that are around us? I think the idea of prayer and fasting fits into this text, even if the words might not be there, because this is the way of Jesus. This is what he was about, right? Now, before I go into that, just a little context that I want to give you about this passage. There's something that happens right before this. If you scan up in your text, you're going to read something about the transfiguration. Jesus took three of his disciples up this mountaintop, right? And when they went up the mountain, the glory of God came down. Jesus was transfigured. His clothes became whiter than any kind of white. They were dazzling. Elijah, Moses appeared. Incredible, right? Could you imagine being the disciples and witnessing this? On top of that, the voice of God was heard. Verse 7, it says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And then it was all over, right? And just Jesus and the three disciples remained. Of course, this blew them away. The the text tells us that they were frightened. Who wouldn't be? But they got to experience this amazing, life-changing moment up on the mountain. If you've ever heard somebody talk about having that mountaintop experience, this is what they're referring. This is where this comes from. But what I want us all to notice is that these three disciples experienced that mountaintop of experience, right? And right after that, when they came down the mountain, they were in the war. They were in the battle, right back into it. And I just want us all to realize that that is normal. You can come to church or go to an event and have a mountaintop experience, and then immediately when you go home or when you come out of that, you can find yourself right back into the war. And when that happens to you, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember there is a spiritual battle going on all around us. And it is very real, right? Are we prepared for that? Are we preparing ourselves for that battle? Be careful. Don't let your guard down, right? Remember that it's going on. I, I think that the moments that I have those spiritual mountaintop experiences, those are the times that I'm almost the most vulnerable because I let my guard down. Be careful. Be careful with that. Uh, these things are important for our, our lives, remembering these things, but also for that young boy or our friend who's in the battle for their soul, right? My friends, there are kids at a record pace thinking about committing suicide. I just met with a person this week who told me that they had just come through a season where they're thinking about killing themselves. The battle is real. There are spirits going after our young kids today, right? There's a spiritual war And are we going to be the people that stand in the gap? Are we going to be the people that support these kids, these adults that are going through these tough times? That's what's been laid on my heart, right? This man in Mark was desperate to see his son set free. And apparently the disciples weren't desperate enough. 
weren't on their knees enough. Are we? Are we? Look at our prayer requests. Serious things. Do you take that sheet home and give it any kind of thought? Serious prayer requests. Will we be the people that get on our knees and stand in the gap? Will we be the people that are willing to be inconvenienced and come out to prayer and lift these people up corporately? Honestly, throughout this sermon, I'm praying, Lord, am I desperate enough for the people that are around me? Am I willing to not only pray serious prayers for these people, but am I willing to fast for that young person that the enemy has a hold of that I know about? Am I? Jesus expects us to fast. In Matthew 6, 16, it says this, when you fast, he has already said when you pray, and then he gives them uh, this amazing example of a prayer. But he says, when you fast, there's that expectation that we will be people that fast, right? And then he warns us about how not to do it. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. My friends, a part of being a follower of Christ, if you are calling yourself a follower of Christ, includes fasting. Regular times of fasting, not just that one special time where we did it as a church last year, right? This needs to be a part of who we are. Not like they're super spiritual people or people that are real disciples and they're the ones called to fast. No, anybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ is called to fast, all of us. Don't do it for show, right? Don't let everybody know that you're doing it. If you do, that's going to be your reward. That's not the reward that any of us want, though, right? What reward do we want? We want our friends and family members to be set free of bondage. We want people to come to know the Lord, right? We want people to be saved. Some things only come out by earnest prayer. And some of the most earnest prayers come through fasting, right? So Jesus expects us to fast. He also showed us what fasting looks like. Luke 4, 1. Here is Jesus starting his ministry. This is the beginning of that whole journey. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. No kidding, right? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit into a major fast. Why? I think the answer comes at the end of this passage. As you keep reading this, though, and you go through it, you see that the devil tempted Jesus with everything. Food when he's hungry, right? Authority and splendor. He's tempted to prove himself. The enemy even quotes Psalm 91. The enemy knows Scripture, but he twists it. But Jesus answered with Scripture, resisted with Scripture, 
and the enemy left. Then it says this in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Directly after this, this is when he starts to teach and to preach. Jesus fasted because of the great purpose set before him that he was called to. At this point, as far as we know, he hadn't healed anybody, hadn't walked on water, hadn't turned water to wine, hadn't fed the 5,000, hadn't raised anybody from the dead, hadn't preached a sermon on the mount. No public miracles, right? No public ones. Maybe there were other ones. But he knew the purpose that was on his life. And notice, he chose to pray and fast before moving into that season. We typically move into those seasons without giving it much prayer and fasting, and we ask God to to bless our plans, right? Let us make sure that before we go into these things, we are prayed up. We are fasting. We are, as the song said, making room for him, right? Is God calling you to something? Are you moving into a new season in your life? Then pray earnestly fast. Seek him through this, right? What are my goals for the church this year? What do I want to see accomplished? Those aren't the right questions. What does God want to do through us? That's the question to seek him about this year. Are we willing to pray and to fast for that direction? Am I willing to? What is fasting? Fasting is simply creating space. It's simply making room. That's what it is. Making room, creating space through the withdrawal from earthly appetites in an effort to access the things of God and God himself and for supernatural breakthroughs. Will we make room? It's more than just an activity that we do. It's more than just saying, I'm fasting this week. I'm not eating lunch. I'm depriving myself. I'm not doing social media. I'm staying off of Netflix, right? No, it's way more important than that. It's intentionally withdrawing from some earthly appetites, whatever they may be, to create space to move towards God and receive what God has. It's like when that musician is up on stage before a song or in between a song and you see them click a little button on the floor which takes their instrument off of the speakers and then they tune it. And then they'll click that button again and they're right back in there. That's what fasting is all about. It's about checking out, getting in tune with God. It's about me staying in the right key. About me following his will. About me keeping in step with the Spirit, right? So that I can be about His purposes, His plan for my life. The question is, though, am I desperate enough for that? Desperate to want a new attitude? Desperate to want to follow His will? Do we really care about that guy's son who's battling the demons? Do we? Are we even desperate for our own kids? Are we desperate for our spouse? Are we desperate for our grandkids? Man, God's been convicting me about a lack 
of desperation for some people. Yeah, I'll pray for them. I'll give them a little prayer. But am I desperate? Am I willing to fast for some people? Right? Do I really care about this community? Do I really care about that neighbor in front of me that I barely know? Right? Do I care about that neighbor kid that lives down the road who's in a battle, who's in a spiritual war that I see going on with him? Do I really care about him? Am I desperate for him to be set free? Or am I just comfortable with where everything is at? Right? You need gas to drive your car, but it's cold right now. And who wants to get out and fill up the tank in this weather? Some of us maybe say, I'll pay attention when the light comes on. I'm going to wait until that moment, right? When there's a warning, when there's a sign of a problem, then I'll do it. Some of us are even a little bit crazier than that, and we'll be like, you know what? There's somebody else that'll fill up that tank, right? That's why I have a spouse. That's why I have kids. I'll let somebody else worry about that. Not my problem. My friends, let's fill up the tank before the light comes on. Let's keep it topped off, right? I know it's cold. I know it's uncomfortable. But let's do it. Man, there's a battle. There's a battle going on, and we can't run out of gas. Stakes are high, higher than we realize. We're talking eternity. There are family members who have moved away from God that are walking apart from God, right? There are husbands and wives facing divorce. There are people facing life-threatening diseases. We're battling the schemes of the enemy. I, I talked about last week how King Solomon, right, in Ecclesiastes, he tried everything under the sun. And when I say try, he went after. He partied harder than anyone, right? He was more successful in business and building things than anyone. He had more money than anyone. He had a thousand lovers, right? And he came away of that with the understanding that it doesn't satisfy, that it's all just meaningless to chase after those things. They can't provide what a relationship with the Father can. God is our portion, our great reward. That's something, unfortunately, that we have to often learn the hard way. We experience the things of this world, and they're great, right? They're fun, they're exciting, but in the end, we come to the place where we just need something more. They start to lose the flavor, right? Sometimes it takes going through the wilderness to realize these things. Listen to what the Father says in verse 22. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. My friends, there are people around us, probably in this very place right now, saying that same thing. Take pity on us and help us. Is there anybody in your story that you're desperate for them? Desperate. And your response is, I will help you. I will stand in the gap. I will cast that out. I'll stand next to you, right? I'll pray for you. 
even if I have to get uncomfortable. Even if it gets a little weird, right? It's going to get a little weird. We're, we're Nazarenes. We're weird, right? Or are you just saying, now I'll pray for you like for five seconds. Lord, help them out, you know. Be with them. Cure them. Are we willing to pray until it comes out? That's my call to us today. An invitation to come before the throne for others. I'm confident that we're doing it for ourselves. But what about for others, right? To be desperate for them. Listen to this, Psalm 81.10. This is amazing, all right? And I hope we can, I hope God blows our mind with this. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. That's the invitation today, right? It's God Almighty saying, I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. He's telling us, I brought you out of slavery and life, right, to sin, right? And I brought you all into the promised land, into a relationship with me. I'm that God. And if you'll open your mouth wide, I'll fill it. Not just a little, right? Open it wide. There are two things, I believe, that will get in the way of that. A mouth that is full and a mouth that is just comfortable and doesn't want to open. Our mouths have to be empty. We need to make room, right? He can't fill our mouths if they're already full with the things of this world. What empties your mouth? Literally. Fasting. Right? takes the stuff. Fasting makes room. That's why we need to be people that do it regularly. Literally, and more important, spiritually, right? A regular discipline of fasting will empty our mouths, empty our lives, and allow room for us to approach God and be filled by God. The problem is that we live in America where we got everything that we could ever want and we stuff as much stuff as we can into our mouths. There is so much available to us. We don't really need anything that God has to fill our mouths, right? We don't care if he does. I got everything I need right now. Do you remember when you were a kid and you had to wait until your birthday or Christmas to get that special present? That doesn't happen anymore, right? We don't wait for our birthdays. We don't wait for that. We just go on Amazon and order it, and it's there in two days. Sometimes it's there the next day, right? It's shipped to us for free. God says, spend time with me. I'll speak to you. You want me to be real? I'll touch you. I'll do what no one else can do. Well, I would love for that, God, but I really want to binge watch the new season of Reacher, right? Binge. Binge is a very accurate word for our society today. We fill our lives, we binge on video games, on screen time, right, on social medias, so much that I really don't have a desire for God. I'm good. I'm so full. I can't put one more bite in it. If that's you, fast. Fast, fast screen time, fast food, fast whatever it is that you're filling your mouth with and make room for the good stuff.
for the good stuff that satisfies you. What are you binging on? Make room, my friends. The other thing is that you got to want to open your mouth. That might be an honest place where you're at right now. I'm good at where I'm at. You know, I know I should be reading the Bible. I know I should be doing this stuff, but I'm just good. I really don't want anything different. I'm really comfortable where I'm at right now. I like what's in my mouth. It tastes good enough, you know. I mean, I know I should get into those things, but I really don't want to. I really don't need it. I lived a long time in that place. Long time, many seasons, putting on the face, pretending I knew the Christian things to say, right? So everybody would think that I'm, you know, this righteous person. But I was comfortable right where I was. Just a little bit of God, right? I didn't really have a desire to pray. I didn't have a desire to be in the Word, to spend time with God. If that's you, Philippians 2, 12 through 13, it says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to this. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. God can work in you to change your will so that you act in order to fulfill his good purposes. That's awesome, right? So maybe today your prayer is, God, I don't even want to help this kid in the story. I really don't care about it. Let somebody else take care of him. But I know my heart needs to change. So would you help that happen? Would you do that? Would you accomplish that, right? I was reading about King Saul, and it said... uh, that God changed his heart in the early days. There's hope for me. There's hope for you if you have those types of feelings or don't have those types of desires, right? Lord, I don't want to honestly be in the Bible or fast, but Lord, would you give me that desire? Would you change my heart? Will you make that your prayer? And then, this is huge. More than just praying that, step forward in faith with that, right? Not only, Lord, would you give me the desire, then start reading your Bible, even when you don't have desire, because what that does is that puts your faith in him, the one who is faithful. You step forward in faith, and he responds by being faithful. So if your desire isn't there, pray for him to change your heart, and then Believe that he is. Believe that he has done that already and step forward in that. Step forward. Start reading your Bible. Start fasting, even if you don't feel like it. And I guarantee you, your desires will change. They will. I want God to change my heart so that I can be used by him. I think all of us would say that. But are we desperate? That's the question. Are we desperate for it? Am I willing to earnestly pray and fast for it? Am I willing to step forward in faith for that? I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Get the crap out of it. Get that other stuff out of it. I shouldn't have said that word, sorry. But I'm challenging you to regularly fast. Get that stuff out of your mouth so that you can make room for God so that he'll fill it. 
I'm continuing to challenge you to be desperate for God's presence in your life, to spend time dwelling with him in prayer and Bible reading. But today, I'm challenging you to be desperate for those people around you. pray that you teens can see somebody in your high school that's hurting, that's afflicted, right? And I'm praying that you'll come alongside of them and help them out. Man, I'm going to earnestly start praying for this person. And I'm not going to stop until they change. And whatever God wants me to do, whatever God wants me to say, I'm going to do it because I want to see this person set free, Right? Adults, maybe right now there's a journey of prayer and fasting in your future because you finally wake up and you realize there's a lot of stuff that I'm cramming in my mouth, but it never satisfies me, right? And I finally just really want to say, God, you know what? I need something to change in me, so I'm going to step forward on this path. I'm going to empty my mouth and make room for you. Tune my life towards your will. Change my heart. Give me a new desire for you. Let me ask you this. What would happen if your friend asked you to pray and fast for them? How many of you would not be willing to do that? I don't think there's anybody, right? But are you willing to ask a friend to pray and fast for you when that spirit comes against you? Will you put yourself out there when that battle is going on in your life. I'm, I'm praying as a men's group, we're able to do that. My friends, don't fight the battle alone, right? Call in some support. Ask a friend. Here's my challenges for you, all right? I'm asking you, will you pray and fast a meal for me in the direction of this church once a week? Will you put aside some time? Will you quit binge-watching something turn the screen off or something, don't eat a meal, and instead pray for your church body. Pray for the direction of it. That's one thing. Number two, spouses. Or if you don't have a spouse but hope to one day, will you pray and fast for them? Anybody here got the perfect relationship? Man, don't need any room for improvement. Raise your hand. Will you pray and fast for it? Will you do that? once a week for your spouse? That's my challenge, right? Parents, grandparents, we pray and fast for your kids once a week or more, right? Will you be desperate for them? Will you pray about who they're going to marry? Will you pray about their relationship with God that nothing would be able to come into that? Will you watch over them? Will you watch over their habits? Will you protect them from bringing anything in that doesn't need to be brought in, right? Will you watch who they hang out with? Will you be desperate for them? That's the challenge. What about yourself? Will you just make room? Just make room for him. And do that. Amen? I want to I wanna ask you to do something. And I want you to take this seriously. Like, it's a serious thing. 
It's not a serious thing when I ask you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you're going to do that. But don't you dare raise your hand if you're not going to do those things, right? And I won't think anything if you don't raise your hand. You're just not there yet. That's okay. This is a, this is a place where you can be not there yet. But I want you to make a declaration before God today, right now, that you will regularly fast for your kids and pray for them. Fast for that neighbor that doesn't know about you, that God is putting on your hearts and you're like, this guy, is, he's being attacked, right? They're in a spiritual battle. I'll pray for them. I'll make room in my life regularly. Like, this is going to be hard. This ain't easy, right? You, you go into the battle, it's going to come hard against you, right? I want to ask you, too, if there's something you're battling, will you go to somebody and ask them to pray and fast for you? I guarantee you they will. Somebody comes to me and says that, they will. And, and remember, I'm going to you right now, and I'm saying, will you pray for this church? Will you do that? Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, will you do that? If that's you, would you make that declaration just by raising your hand today that you will? Appreciate it. Man, I hope this marks our church. I hope this marks our church. Amen. Stand with me. Lord, I just pray that he would have ears to hear. Let them hear. Be with them. Father, I pray that this vow that some of us have made today, we would do everything to keep it, Lord. Father, I pray that you would place a burden on our lives for the people around us that are in the battle, Lord, that are battling spirits, that are that are battling demons, Lord. Father, I pray that we would be on our knees and in your presence and that we would be able to put on the full armor of God so that we may be able to resist what the enemy has, Father. We know there is a very real enemy trying to get kids to cut themselves, trying to get kids to commit suicide, telling them that they're mistakes, Lord. But we know that we have a God that loves them, a God that desires a relationship with them. A God who says, no, I created you specifically. I created you for a purpose. I have a plan for your life. And I want you to know you. Father, let us all, starting this week, make room. Make room room. Father, help us to empty our mouths, Lord. Father, help us to be people that will say in Jesus' name, Lord, not that there's magic in those words. It's about placing ourselves under your authority and going in the authority that you give us, Lord, and casting things out that we see, Lord. Let us be brave. Let us be people who are earnestly praying for people. Let us be people who are empty so we can be filled by your spirit so that we are under that authority and can do that, Lord. Father, we just want people to come to know you. We want people to be set free from things. Lord, I pray that if there is something where people are in bondage today, right now, Lord, that by your authority, you would remove that. We ask that in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord. Set them free, 
Lord. Help us to be people that are righteous, not because of anything that we do, but because we are surrendered to you, that we are empty, we are filled only by you, Lord. Father, we give you all honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen.